This is The Business of Pleasure. I live life to enjoy it. And I don't really care what anybody has to say, so I have no problem with saying, hey, what about this? Or what do you think about, girl, have you tried that? Right. You know, because I just want to have fun with it. I come from a family of strong women, and, you know, I mean, I just, that's what I know. It's a challenge because we're scared to talk about it. That is so crazy to me, because at the end of the day, everybody's doing it. People need to stop being so hush-hush about everything right. and so shy about everything. Welcome to the podcast, The Business of Pleasure, presented to you by Bedroom Candy. Bedroom Candy is a sexual health and wellness company and brainchild of Grammy-winning singer-songwriter and star of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, Miss Candy Burris. Our host and president of Bedroom Candy Boutique Parties, Nadine Thompson, takes an in-depth look at the people, products, and stories behind the nationwide home party company. New episodes are released Thursdays. Listen, learn, and enjoy. Welcome to this week's episode of The Business of Pleasure. Welcome, Mona Darling. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It is so exciting. I'm really excited to have you on. We've been trying to get together Um, for the past couple of weeks, and it's just great to have you on the call. So welcome so much to Bedroom Candy's Business of Pleasure podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you were able to finally make it out and work out. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me start with your bio introduction. Um, Mona Darling teaches women and couples to discover, embrace, and communicate their kinks. With over 20 years' experience as a professional dominatrix, she has a deep understanding of what draws people to kink. Every Monday at 6 p.m. PST, she leads a discussion about Kink on Old School, a revolutionary new sex and pleasure ed platform for adults, a salacious new topic each week. I actually love um, Old School, by the way. This Yay, I'm glad to hear <laughs> This past March, she published a BDSM primer for adults who are curious about kink called Kinky Sex Tips for Curious Girls, a BDSM activity book for beginners. It's full of color pages, fun activities, puzzles, and solid information about kink, consent, and communication. She's also in the process of launching a Sub-Rosa Society in Portland, Oregon, a not-so-secret society that celebrates BDSM and Femdom, where classes, workshop, and coaching will take place in a fully equipped dungeon. You can read more about her and all the ways to connect with her on social media at www.darlingpropaganda.com. So welcome to the business of pleasure, Mona. Thank you. (laughs) I am so excited. Tell me about kink. About kink. Um, Kink, that's such a huge, huge topic, but generally I see kink as a way for adults to play. Um, as children, we explore our bodies, our minds, and the world around us through play. And as adults, we sort of stop doing that. Um, kink is just a way of bringing that back into our lives. Um, role play, sensation play, it's all, all the same. Interesting. So it's about play. That's, that's like sort of the, 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 
the sort of core of what it is or the essence of what it is. It's play. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now, what about the term dominatrix? I've heard a lot about it. I know there's a lot of slang around it, but can you tell me what it really means? Um, as a professional dominatrix, mm-hmm. I um, worked as a, a dominant to help people uh, explore their kinky fantasies. Um, so I helped, uh, as a professional dominatrix, it was mainly men as a kink mentor. It's mainly women and couples, uh, mainly women really, uh, professional dominatrix is somebody who is experienced at creating a safe space for people to explore, um, and a place to talk about and enact those crazy fantasies that you have that you may read about in books or see in movies or watch in porn, should you do that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. You know, as you're talking about it, it's interesting where my mind went. It went to this very playful place because as I was reading your intro, the way it was written and you talked about, you know, it has all, you know, um, the book with fun puzzles and it, 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 it felt very playful and childlike. And as you were talking about what it means for you to be a dominatrix, I thought, I said, I wonder what she was like at four years old. Was she the kind of kid who was like <laughs> telling everybody what to do on the playground? And does that manifest into something like, what were you like? But see, that's the big misunderstanding about okay. dominance. dominance isn't about bossing people around it's about communication it's about um the dominant or the top is the doer okay Uh, the submissive um or the bottom is the receiver of usually some kind of stimulation okay so as the dominant uh it's a lot about empathy Mm -hmm. about communication about active listening um, it's about talking to people and hearing what they're really saying. Okay. So even as a child, I was maybe not at four, <laughs> but as a kid, I was always the communicator, the one that wanted to write crazy stories, um, and act crazy stories, uh, and talk to people, um, and actually have gatherings of you know, I always wanted to have like the big party. Yeah, yeah, I I yeah. get that. So, so you you okay? So that's interesting. Tell me about how you got into the business of being a dominatrix. Um, I was in my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Nope, I was further along than that. Um, I was far enough along that I think it was my senior year. completely wrong there. Um, And I had been working, uh, just cobbling together all kinds of odd jobs to support myself through Mm -hmm. school. And um, at some point, somebody was like, I lost, you know, the main job that I had. And somebody was like, well, I know you're kinky. You should try this fetish and fantasy house. Um, I know that you can make your own schedule and, you know, do the things you're already doing, except for get paid for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, so I went, and um, this is like in February, I think, and I was graduating in May, and I figured that I would work through then, and then I would, you know, grow up and get a real job, and it just didn't turn out that way. <laughs> it was I, I loved working there. I loved making my own schedule. I loved doing all the, you know, 
silly role play and sensation play. And I love that people would confess things to me that, you know, they weren't going to talk to anybody else about. Um, I loved being the keeper of secrets. Uh, and then I ended up on the cover of a, a magazine <laughs> about the time I was graduating college. And so I was just doing really well in this weird career. And my friends were freaking out about trying to, you know, get internships. And I was just like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I found my calling. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I'll go, you know, and I always figured that eventually I would grow up and move on and, like, get a real job. Um, but eventually it just came to me that this was my real job. This was my calling to, like, talk to people about kink and communication and fantasies and, uh, you know, just. I find BDSM to be very magical because people don't understand how powerful it is. And they think of all the shame and hiding things. But really, once you start exploring BDSM and you learn to communicate in a different way and to ask for what you want, if you're asking your partner to do, you know, to spank you and call you names, and to, you know, tie you up and rape you, it's going to be a lot easier when you're, like, at a restaurant. Somebody's like, gives you something you don't want to speak up and say, hey, actually, this is what I want. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. So those, it's just amazing at teaching people to communicate and embrace what it is that they are and what they want and what they need. Right, right. Now, you talked about, you know, as you were finishing up college, this is when this all started up for you. How did you tell your parents? Um, or did you ever? No, no my family all knows. The only okay. person in my family that doesn't know is my nearly 90-year-old grandfather. Okay. And I think that he, I mean, he knows that, he knows that I don't do normal things. <laughs> just, but I've, um, I've always been really open about it. The couple of family members that I didn't share it with eventually found out and they were left to deal with it on their own terms. Okay. You know, either to come to the realization that this was what I wanted to do and they could express their concerns and we could talk about those openly and then you know, go about our lives because really what I do is not affect them. Right. Absolutely. Um, and in most cases, I helped them understand that. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you just can't, you know. Right. Yeah, there's you some know, things I'm sure people just, you know, it would be hard for them to understand. And that whole, that whole area of kink I would assume that unless you're into it, you probably don't know a lot about it. So people would have to probably educate themselves because it's not something that people talk about all the time or that you read about all the time unless you're into into sex and you're, you know, on sex websites or whatever and you're trying to educate <laughs> yourself about it. It's not something that people talk about a lot. 
No, it's not. Um, there's so much shame based in mm-hmm. anything sexual, um, from as simple as masturbation all the way through, you know, the more extreme kinks. Um, my goal by being open about it and talking about it is to help other people understand that it is normal and that there's lots of people out there that are also interested in it. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be ashamed and feel like something's wrong with you because you like a little spanking. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Love the way you say it. Little spanking. Um, is there a certain type of person or personality type um, that you think um, is interested in being dominated? What 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 personality type is would you say more um, I've done a lot of research, and what I've narrowed it down to um, is that they're human. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because there's there's so many um, <laughs> misconceptions about like oh the powerful person needs to submit in the bedroom, and that's just totally not true. Okay. That's just not true. As a professional dominatrix, I had clients that were extremely powerful, but I also had clients that were, you know, low-level military, bossed around all the time, totally not in control of any aspect of their life. And when they had downtime, they would come and see me. Interesting. Because it's an escape. Okay. You know, I've had taxi drivers that had to save up and come and see me. I've had people that it was, you know, an easy expense that they could just do every week. It's everybody has sexual desires. And the thing about being submissive is that it's about being desired. I love that. So it's about being desired. Interesting. That's powerful right there. I mean, I've been listening to you intently because part of what I do, I think, is listen. And you said, you know, the ones who are interested, they're just human and it's an escape, but it's about desire. And would you say it's about people's need to be desired? Definitely. Um. Even if you think about somebody who's coming in to see um, me for humiliation and degradation, they are still coming to me because they are coming to a safe place. Right. And they're coming to me because they know that I'm able to take on the role of, you know, someone who is going to treat them horribly, but it's in a same safe place. It's all part of a game. Okay. You know, they're not going out on the street and finding people to, you know, treat them like that. They're coming to a safe place. Right. Right. So, so and that takes... those people are wanting to be desired. Right. Right. I thought about safety when I asked you the question about your family and their response to you being a dominatrix. And I thought if you were my best friend or my daughter or my sister, um, one of the things I would want to know is that you were safe. And it's just interesting that also part of what you're doing for your clients is creating 
a safe place for them to be desired in a way that is desirous for them. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <clears throat> I was going to ask you, um, what are some of the misconceptions about BDSM play? I think you've hinted about it, but is there anything else you want to say about the misconceptions? Definitely. There's so many. Um, some of the big ones are that people that participate in BDSM are broken, mm -hmm. that they had abusive childhoods or something else happened that they are just not, you know, that they need therapy. They don't need, you know, but that is, <laughs> that's actually been disproven many times. People studying people who, uh, scientists studying people who are interested in kink and finding out that they're actually more well-balanced mm -hmm. because you have to identify and examine those interests and you have to, you know, you can't just go into a situation where you're going to play with another person where you're just like, you know, we're vanilla sex. You're like, you sort of assume the man is going to be penetrating the woman, the person with the vagina, you know, in the vagina. And that's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're, Dealing with kink, <laughs> you don't, you know, you need to figure out who's the top, who's the bottom. Are you going to switch um, and take turns being top and bottom? You know, what is it that makes the scene for you, um, the play? You know, are you somebody who wants to take it to the edge? And what is your edge? Um, you know, are you somebody who just wants to playfully do some role play. Um, and an example that I like to give, because everybody knows about spanking. Everybody knows about spanking as being a sexual thing. Mm -hmm. But what people don't realize is sometimes a spanking is a punishment. And sometimes it's what we refer to as a punishment. <laughs> um, where you're pretending it's a punishment, but it's really not. <laughs> right. Um, is it about the spanking? Is it about a hard spanking? Do you want marks? Or is it actually about the anticipation of the spanking, that, like, waiting and being told you're going to be spanked and, like, having to, like, pull your pants down and, like, you know, accept your punishment? So even with the simple spanking, there's a lot of variance. And so you have to learn how to talk about those things. So... I think that the people who assume that if you're into BDSM are broken don't understand the level of detail that you have to go into looking at yourself and communicating that information to other people. Wow. Um, another misconception is that it's not safe when realistically it is much safer. <laughs> When anytime I go in to play with somebody, even if it's very extreme, like body piercings, drawing blood, um, you know, leaving marks, I know the body. I know how to hit. I know where to hit. I know where not to hit. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, even when it's edge play like that, it's very safe. Right. I would think, Mona, that the training that it must take and the time that it must take for you to learn to be a good and effective 
um, dominatrix, it must take a lot of time. It seems like an art, a profession, a skill. Um, tell me about that process of becoming a dominatrix. What does that entail? Um, I think that, uh, I mean, a lot of it is experience. Uh, a lot of it is taking classes, reading books, um, and finding your niche. Uh, BDSM is a huge arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just really, like, you can know a little bit about the different areas. Mm-hmm. To know everything about every area is very difficult. So it's about finding your niche and about what you want to explore, mm-hmm. exploring that in any way you can through reading, through finding stuff on the internet. Um, legitimate stuff on the internet, which can sometimes be difficult. <laughs> right. Um, and also, but also taking a lot of psychological, uh, psychology classes, psychological classes, mm-hmm. uh, psychology classes, and just learning to understand how people um, react to things and what forms ideas. And you need to take a lot of communication, uh, work on your communication skills, um, I say as I mix up my words repeatedly. Uh, <laughs> You're doing great. Um, and learn to be an active listener, to really listen to what people are saying, um, to understand if they're saying that they don't want to try something, um, and to suss out if that's they really don't want to try something, or if that's just that they need a safe place to discuss it. Um, it's about understanding, you know, being able to understand when somebody is trying to take more than they can actually take because they want to make you happy Mm -hmm. because submissives can, part of that submission can be wanting to make you happy. So a lot of it is really getting to know people and their brains and how they work. Wow. In addition to how to use the toys <laughs> and a lot of about anatomy and, and you know, where a lot of nerves are and where you're going to bruise and what medications make you bruise or mark or bleed easily. Wow. So there's a lot to it. How long before you um, felt like you were at the top of your game, like you were really good at it and you knew what you were doing or you considered <laughs> yourself an expert? I'll let you know when I get there. Okay. <laughs> so you're still in progress. Oh, I, I definitely. I think that um, I think that I'm always finding new things to explore. I always, you know, I have a little bit of imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. also because I don't have a degree, and you know, so many of my friends who teach sex ed or kink have all these, you know, degrees, and I literally went to the School of Hard Knocks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just, you know, I think I'm also somebody who just always needs to be learning, and I always need to be striving to be better, and so, yeah, I'll let you know. Good, good. I want to talk to you again. Hopefully, maybe that day will never come. Maybe you will continue to be an amazing work in progress. And and that's great. I mean, I think that's the way I 
live my life. I find every day I learn so much more and not always positive things, but I'm, I'm learning and I'm finding out more and more about myself every day. And I think I do feel like I'm a better person today than I was, you know, three years ago. Um, but that's because I think I've just been opening open to finding out more about myself and trying to listen to other people. And everyday people totally blow me away because when I think I know, I don't know. And that's pretty, I'm sure in your job, I was trained as a therapist, but I'm sure in your job, that's probably even more so because of kink, just the nature of what you do. I wanted to ask you something that probably a lot of people ask, and that's about the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon. Do you think that it's helped the general public at all to understand BDSM, or do you think it's created even more misconceptions about it? Um, I can't really answer that, but I do know that it started a wonderful conversation. Okay. It started an amazing conversation where people are able to talk about their interests um, with them, you know, basically with themselves, with their partner, with the world. Okay. And so just starting that conversation means that you are on the way to getting the correct information because there was a lot of misinformation in that movie. Um, or I guess there's more. I only made it through the first one. Okay. Okay. Do you remember a movie a long time ago? I think it was called The Story of O. Yes. Now, what do you think about that as far as BDSM? I, I remember seeing the movie because I worked in the theater at that time. I was, I don't remember if I was in college or whatever, but I remember that was my first introduction um, to that whole area. What What about that movie? So I don't remember enough of that movie to speak clearly on it. Okay. Um, do you remember Secretary? No, but I will. It was a movie, uh, Megan Gyllenhaal and James Spader. And it's called Secretary? Yes. Okay. I'll take a look. I'll and, take a look. And that one was actually amazing in that how realistic the characters were. And okay. just, you know, I mean, it's still a story. It's still, you know, not super realistic. It romanticizes a lot of, like, negotiation and consent. Um, and, you know, I always want to throw out there that negotiation and consent and talking about these things are always super important because we've been fed this lie that if he really loves us, he will know what to do mm -hmm. and he can love you to bits and pieces and he will still not know how to satisfy you sexually if you don't tell him. Right. So, um, but secretary <laughs> was really You seem good. like you've given that lecture quite a bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you mean to say I'm not supposed to say because you can't figure out what I want and desire, it means you don't love me? You mean I shouldn't be thinking that? I know. <laughs> Because that's what I think. I think if he loved me, he would know. He would just know. I mean, that's the way it happens in the movies. I mean, they just do everything right because they yeah. love me. <laughs> love conquers all. Of course it does. You need to communicate. Of course it does. Figure your own things out before you can, yeah. Right. So there's a little bit of that in there um, as well. 
but it's a really great, uh, it was a really fun movie. Oh, great. Well, I will rent it. So I have another question. What would you say to someone interested in in exploring kink in this type of play? Um, I would say go for it. Uh-huh. I talk to a lot of people who finally do it, and then their first, very first reaction is, I can't believe I waited so long. Oh, wow. Um, because they're terrified and they're ashamed and, you know, they're worried um, about what other people are going to think. Um, so, and um, the other thing is that if you're talking to your partner about doing, you know, bringing this sort of thing into your life, uh, be gentle. <laughs> okay. And do a lot of asking of questions like, uh, what does that mean to you? Even if you think you know, because sometimes they'll be saying something like spanking. Mm -hmm. And you'll be picturing, you know, bruised butts and, and terror. And they're just thinking, you know, having your ass in their lap and, like, being able to touch it and penetrate it and stroke it and you know they're thinking of something completely different right so, right so you've got to ask all of those questions yes yeah. i call it the flower versus flower the flower versus pardon flower versus flower oh, okay because oh. when i'm talking about flowers what are you thinking when you talk about first thing that comes to your mind when i, when think... I say flower I think of my garden. Okay. I was actually thinking about baking. Oh, flower. Oh, um, what do I think when you... But see what that is? I'm saying flower and you're hearing flower because they're very similar words and they sound the same, but they mean completely two different things. Right. And that's a big example that's glaring and everybody can get. But the same thing happens when you're talking about bondage or spanking or kink. Right. Interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. So it's really about communication and understanding what your partner wants and 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 what what these things mean to that person. You can't assume that a spanking yeah. means something negative or a baby crying or a four-year-old getting spanked. Um, but it could have a lot of connotations for, you know, different people. Yeah. Right. Totally it different. Can, yeah. What can yeah. be, what can seem like a painful experience can be an erotic experience for someone else. But it's just kind of, well, you'd almost have to understand sort of the history of what that means for that person, Correct. Yeah, some of it can be the history um, and, you know, what they've read, mm-hmm. uh, what they've experienced. It just it changes their ideas about any given topic. This And see, this is what I'm talking about when you start learning to communicate in a more thorough way for your sex life. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much easier to talk about those things. 
in pub in 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 regular you know in public and vanilla life <laughs> right um because you start realizing that oh we're talking about vacation and he's talking about this but i'm thinking that like oh okay so what does that mean to you oh okay vacation on the beach like you know you you start using those skills that you learn in the bedroom outside the bedroom it's really amazing yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds <laughs> that does sound like fun. Talking about fun, I remember you know I wanted to get back to your book, um, and in one of the emails you talked about um, your book being um, a playful approach to learning about kink, and it's aimed at women. Um, so that's what you're talking about. It, it, can you expand a little bit more? Is this sort of in the same realm of being able to play both within the bedroom and outside as well and sort of bringing those things together? Yeah, the book is, is definitely, um, in my years of coaching women, the one thing that I have come across repeatedly is that people think kink is dark and scary. Right. And they're intimidated when they go to pick up these books that, you know, have pictures of people bound in there, even though, like, in the end, maybe they want to be that person that's bound. But, mm -hmm. like, there's anachronisms and, and words that they don't understand. And mm -hmm. so it's like there doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, easy entry-level books. Right. And I'm a whimsical person, so I figured I was the first person to write that book. Um and I modeled it after a kid's activity book with, like, paper dolls on the back and mazes and puzzles. and. That's what uh, I imagined lessons. when I was reading the description. It made me think of a whimsical children's book. Yeah. And it, you know, tells you um, about different words and what they mean. And uh, there's one chapter that goes on over all the different types of uh, dominant and all the different types of submissive and not so that you can label yourself, but so you can see what's out there. Right. And so you can choose that I'm sometimes a little of this and a lot of that. And sometimes I'm all this. Sometimes like I want somebody to be like a little of this, a little of that. Um, so it's a good, it starts a good conversation mm -hmm. um, with your partner and with yourself. <laughs> right. Right. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of it. I'd love to end. I'd love to end today by talking about desire. Um, back to desire. Um, mm -hmm. Desire is something that um, I don't. I don't have the words, but I don't want to say fascinates me. But it's a. Um, I like the word. I like what it means. Mm -hmm. um, and so often, I was teasing before about women and desire, um, and we all have these sort of romantic images of being desired and what it means to be a woman and wanting to be desired. But what I know very little about um, would, is men, you know, men and desire. Um, in your work, um, what are some of the things you've learned about men and their need to be desired? Because I think it's not something that is talked about a lot, and I'm really interested. It's not something that's... Um talked about it all uh, and I really see that as part of toxic masculinity mm -hmm. that um, men are the aggressors 
and men are know what they want and they go for it and uh, men don't cry and men don't show their emotions um, which very much takes them out of being the object of desire uh, about being vulnerable and being you know able to talk about things uh, sometimes there's there's sexual things that aren't manly, mm-hmm. uh, like pegging and you know just feeling soft fabrics against their skin. Um, I see a lot of men who come to me who want to do role reversal, where you know they are treated like they you know envision a woman being treated. Mm-hmm. Mainly, it's like women in porn, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they're dressed up and I treat them like a slut and I mark them with my strap on and, you know, call them a dirty whore and just, like, ravish them, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, men want to be ravished. There's another they... nice word. What was that? I said there's another nice word. <laughs> it is. Oh, definitely. So, um, I think that we get to the, posi- the the point where, you know, if a woman is too desirous of a man and shows that too much, that, you know, we question her, you know, just how much of a feminist are you? Right. Um, and I hadn't even thought know. of that. Um, and I think that when men, you know, want to be desired and, you know, touched and caressed and, you know, that's viewed as submissive and not manly and, you know, it really takes a lot of contact, like that all important human contact away. Right. You know, there's something really, you made me think about something. I um, grew up in the Caribbean and, um, you know, our culture there has a lot of very strong African influence. And I remember the conversations with my, with older women in our community and aunts, even now as a grown woman, when I sit and talk with West Indian women, um, There was something I observed as a child, and I think it was a kind of cool and powerful observation, which was, you know, in our culture, you know, men, it was okay for men to, like, sleep around and have other women and have mistresses and relationships outside the home. And the traditional role of the woman um, was to be the object of a man's desire. So... You know, you dressed and you could be flirtatious and cute and men were supposed to desire you. And the secret out there with the women who were having the affairs with the men were that they were the women who seemed free enough to be able to communicate their desire of the men. And the men often felt wanted and desired in those relationships and that was what was sort of pulling them out of the marriage and the women would talk about 
the outside women that were able to show desire as sort of dirty, slutty women who, you know, were desirous of their men and kind of seducing them out of their more traditional relationships. And I just, as you were talking, it made me think of that. And I wondered if, you know, as you talk about men and their need to be desired, if it may have simply been the fact for some of them that this other woman was a woman who was actually communicating that that man was attractive and desirable and that she wanted him. If, if that, if I, if there's something there to that. There's definitely, there's, that's a complicated topic, yeah. of course, because, you know, there's also the slut shaming and the uh, expectations. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, and every human being wants to be desired. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's not just a female thing, which unfortunately I think we yeah brought that. But, you know, men want to be desired too. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not just women that want to, you know, have a little love note left for them right um, or you know be just completely ravished when they're in bed or you know there's yeah yeah well I have learned a lot I you know I've come away with a really um, I mean I think I could talk to you for hours um, this has been a great <laughs> conversation yeah you've got a great voice um, and you know I think that the one thing I'll, I'll, I'm taking away from this is the need to show um, and communicate um, desire in relationships. I think that that is so important. And I think as a woman, it's not something that we pay enough attention to with our, if we have a male partner. Um, and I think it's something that we could pay more attention to. Um, I also think, you know, for women, you know, their society tells us that we have more value the more desirous we are. Um, and so we want men to desire us, and many of us work so hard at it. Um, I am sure that there is so much confusion right now, I think, in the world with the Me Too movement and so much that's going mm -hmm. on that it even complicates these things even further, you know, um, yeah, what's definitely. acceptable and what's not, you know, what somebody would find as a turn on and somebody else would see as totally offensive and an assault. I think there's so much there. Um, you talked about safety and I think that's so important the desire to feel safe, um, intimacy, desire, yeah. being ravished, all of those things are so complicated in 2018. It hasn't gotten any easier. I think it's just, it's actually gotten more complicated. And I'm really grateful to people like you who do this work and do it professionally and thoughtfully. Um, it provides a space for those of us, I think, who may not know where else to turn. I guess one of the things that's crossing my mind is that if somebody was interested in kink, um, where would you suggest they go? I mean, you can't, 
I mean, I'm sure, of course, you can go on the internet, but are there safe associations or, or places that you can call that would provide a safe place for you to explore this? Um, of course, I would first suggest my book. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, um, and that's Kinky Sex Tips for Curious for Girls. For Curious Girls. Right. I, there's several different places that you can go. Um, there is, if you're a woman, I run a Facebook group that is for women and uh, female-identified people to talk about sex, kinky or otherwise, mm-hmm. um, and just female issues uh, because a lot of any kind of female issue affects your sex life i am yeah um there if you're looking for a therapist uh oh gosh i'm gonna like draw blank on all the names of these (laughs) honey you can email (laughs) it to me and i'll be happy to put it on the blog of the podcast so that people can get it there and i'm also going to put a link up to your book as well Awesome. Um, because there are places, uh, there is um, basically the FetLife uh, is Facebook uh, for kinky people. Um, you have to have a high tolerance for dick pics because they're all out there in the open. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can learn a lot about what is out there and what is possible. Mm-hmm. It's also a good place to learn about what kind of events are going on in your area. Mm-hmm. If you have a feminist bookstore or a bookstore that... Um, a sex toy store that is uh, for women, uh, Shebop, uh, Pleasure Chest, Good Vibrations, those kinds of places. There's They're popping up in every bigger town across America, and those places often have classes. And if they don't offer classes, they're often a good place to find uh, where the classes and the meetups are. Okay. And a lunch is basically a meeting and you eat or drink. It's usually at a coffee shop. It's not at a kinky place. It's at a public place so people can meet. Um, and there'll be a lunch and you can just meet other people in your area that are also interested in exploring kink. Oh, interested. Interesting. Great. That's good advice. And um, what's the Facebook group you mentioned again? The name of the the Facebook group that I run uh-huh. is Darling Propaganda's Lounge. Okay, um, and I will make sure you have a link for that. Okay, the notes, uh, for the notes. Okay, well, you know, a little plug for Bedroom Candy Boutique Parties. We have um, a small line of really cool products that um, fit in here as well. We call them our Dark Desires Collection, and we've got. I a- heard. <laughs> <laughs> We've got an eye mask, a flogger, a paddle, wrist cuff, a collar with nipple clamps, and we also have restraints that can be used um, on the bed um, and that are positioned underneath the mattress. So we've got, you know, Those some are real... always awesome. Yeah. Because you can also take them with you to hotels right. and you can slip them under the hotel bed and then you don't have to worry about. You know, you have to worry about the maid, not your children. Right. (laughs) Oh, that's true. (laughs) That's Um, true. But, yeah, I actually have something like that that I take in my travel bag when I see clients out and about. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think that having like a bedroom candy, you know, we've got these products and, you know, for a couple that's just beginning to read about and think about kink and wanting to play and have fun, we've got these really beautifully designed, comfortable products. We've got the little cufflinks that are fur, um, I mean, wrist cuffs that are um, fur lined and so they're really comfortable and, you know, when we design and the products, we make sure that everything's comfortable and feels good to the touch and um, I think they're fun, a little paddle if people want to try playful spanking and whatever. And, and you know, what I've learned from you is that it really helps to communicate well, to listen to your partner, to find out what they like, what feels good to them. And I think um, people can probably go a long way with doing a lot of reading and research to better understand how this works and how this can really illuminate a relationship. Um, I think it, it could oh. be great. It's an amazing thing for relationships because it's like creating a secret language between right. you and your partner. Right, right. Well, Mona, anything else you want to say before we end? Um, oh, my gosh, we've covered so much ground. Yeah. I think I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> this has been great. This has been fun. I loved talking to you, and I have learned a lot, yes. and it's really great to have you on The Business of Pleasure. Um, we will, Yay. it'll probably, um, go live next week and we really are excited and I really am honored to have had this conversation with you and to meet you and I hope we can meet in person someday. I've learned a lot. Um, and yeah. I think my word of the day is going to be desire. 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 Well, I would love when we get our space opened up, I would love to have you and Suki and whoever come and see it at going to be amazing we have amazing top-of-the-line furniture and um, it's going to be just a beautiful beautiful space and what city will it be in portland oregon well i will be there some of my i have a very (laughs) good friend that lives out in portland and i had a business that was headquartered in clackamas right in that area Ah, so i look forward to meeting you so thank you for being on this week's episode of the business of pleasure And I will be sure to, do you want to tell us again the name of the book? Kinky Sex Tips for Curious Girls. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, Mona, and great to talk to you. Yes. Have a great day. Have a great week. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 This has been another episode of The Business of Pleasure, brought to you by Bedroom Candy Boutique Parties. The Business of Pleasure is brought to you by Bedroom Candy Boutique Parties. To shop with us, visit us at www.bedroomcandy.com. To join our team of consultants who own their own home-based businesses, join us online and enter the code BOP2017. That will get you a 10% discount on your starter kit. Join us today.